We learned in the past couple of Mishnayis that if somebody uses Shmita produce to buy something which is not for food or drink purposes, or he uses them for forbidden things, then according to the opinion of the previous Mishnah, to rectify that and as his punishment, he needs to designate other food as Shmita produce, and treat that food as if it was Shmita produce, and that food should be the same amount as what he used for something forbidden. Now, one of those examples of something which was forbidden was rubbing oil on utensils. Even though we learned earlier on in the Masechta that you can rub oil on your body, because that's considered like drinking it, to rub oil on things would not be okay, that is not allowed with Shmita produce, and therefore if you do do that, according to the previous Mishnah, you should eat the same amount of other food using the restrictions of Shmita produce. However, we're going to see that in this Mishnah, Rabbi Yezer will argue with that, and therefore, skin of an animal in which somebody rubbed oil, which was Shmita oil, Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yezer says that it's not enough just to eat something else under the restrictions of Shmita produce, and then to do what you like with this skin. Rather, according to Rabbi Yezer, this skin actually has to be burnt, because according to Rabbi Yezer, since the entire skin absorbed the oil, you can't use that, and therefore... Your punishment is that you need to burn this. However, as in the previous Mishnah, you should just eat the corresponding amount, and then you would still be able to benefit from this skin. Now, the Mishnah records that certain people said in front of Rabbi Akiva that would say that skin in which Shmita oil was rubbed, the dolek has to be burnt. Like we learned at the beginning of our Mishnah. However, Omar Lahem Rabbi Akiva said to them, Shasoiku, be quiet. That's not at all what Rabbi said. The truth is, Rabbi was much more lenient in this case. Rabbi actually held that you're even allowed to rub oil into the skin. There's nothing wrong with it. However, because this was a very big leniency which Rabbi Akiva disagreed with, he told these people that I'm not going to tell you what Rabbi would say about this, because it's such a big leniency and it's totally the opposite of what you just recorded. But you should just know that what you said, that Rebilezer is so strict, and says that you need to burn the skin, that is not true because I know that Rebilezer is actually much more lenient in this case. Mishnah Yud, this is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, and although it's not to do with Shemitah, it has a very similar structure to the previous Mishnah. And that is, the Eid Omrulafonov, and the people who came to Rebiliakiva, also said in front of him that Omer Horobiliezer, Rebiliezer would also say that Ha'echel Pas Kusim, one who eats the bread of a group of people who are known as the Kusim, Ka'echel Basar Chazir is like somebody who eats the meat of a pig. Now the Kusim were a certain nation who converted en masse to become Jewish, and for a long time their status of whether they were Jewish or not was debated among different Tanoim, they possibly only converted out of fear, they were told that they would be attacked by lions, and for a long time there was a debate as to whether they were considered actually Jewish, or not. Eventually, they were considered not Jewish, when it was discovered that they still worshipped idolatry. However, before then, it was a doubt as to whether they were considered Jewish or not. Now, Rebeliezer is of the opinion that they were not considered Jewish, that their conversion was not genuine, they only converted out of fear, and therefore Rebeliezer is saying that if you eat the bread of Kusim, which they baked, it's as if you ate the meat of a pig. And there are a couple of reasons given for this. Either it's because they didn't separate any of the tithes, and it's forbidden to eat untithed produce, produce from which the gifts have not been separated for the Kohanim, the Navim, or the poor people, and so you couldn't eat their bread. And, and alternatively, another reason is because the Kusim throughout history started to cause lots of problems for the Jews. 
especially during the time of the second base Amikdash. And because of that, the Chachamim decreed that you wouldn't be able to eat their bread to distance them from the Jews. And therefore, Abeliezer is saying that if you do eat the bread, then it's as if you're eating a pig. It's an exaggeration to show how severe it is and how much the Chachamim wanted to distance the real Jews from this nation of Kusim. So that's what the people said to Rabbi Akiva. The Rebbeleza was very strict indeed with regards to eating the bread from Kusim. However, Omar Lahem, Rabbi Akiva replied to them, Shasaiku, be quiet. I'm not going to tell you what Rebbeleza says about this, because the truth is he's much more lenient. He actually holds that you can eat their bread. And in fact, you can even eat their bread right after Pesach, and it's safe to assume that they did not own chomets during Pesach. So Rebeleza, according to Akiva, was much more lenient, but he didn't want to tell them that leniency, because he felt it was wrong, and very much too lenient. But Rebeleza did tell them that what they thought Rebeleza said was still too strict. But nevertheless, he still did not want to tell them what Rebeleza actually held. Mishnah as we've seen a number of times already in the Masechta, only uses which are similar to eating are permitted to be done with Shemitah produce. And the definition of something being similar to eating is that at the same time as it is consumed and used up, that is when you gain the benefit from it. So that's like eating, as you eat it up and use up the thing, that is the benefit itself, eating it. Now burning wood or straw for the sake of heating something up is not considered like eating. And the case we're going to have in our Mishnah is where you burn straw in order to heat it up for water. So you can heat up water in a bathhouse. Now the benefit from the bathhouse is when you actually go into the water. Not when the water is heated up by the straw burning, and therefore ideally one is not allowed to burn straw in order to warm up the water. However, if you do, like we've seen a couple of times already in the last few Mishnahs, at least according to the Chachomim, not Rebbe Yezer, but according to the Chachomim, a bathhouse which was warmed up by burning straw, or the stubble which is the straw left in the ground. So though ideally one is not allowed to do that, if he does do it, he is permitted to wash himself in it, he can use that. But as we saw, according to the Chachomim, he would need to designate something else, other food to treat as Shemitah produce, corresponding to the amount which he used for this illegal use. But once he's done that, he would be able to use that bathhouse, even though it was warmed up by Schmitter produce. And now the Mishnah and the Perak ends off with something very fascinating and also a very important lesson. And that is, Vimis Chashev who, if he is somebody who is very well respected, he's considered an important person. So for him, he should not wash himself in this bathhouse. Because since he is so important and people respect him a lot, and they look up to him, so even though according to the strict letter of the law this is permitted, if he does it, then people will start being even more lenient than he is, because they think he is very well respected, he should really be doing the ideal, and he should be more strict on himself. So if he's doing that, then we have the right to be even more lenient, and other people will come to violate Schmitter when they see him doing this. So we see a very fascinating idea here, that even though according to the strict letter of the law it is permitted, an important and learned and righteous person should still not necessarily do that, and he should actually be a bit more strict on himself. Perictes, an Amharitz is somebody who is not knowledgeable of most laws, and the halacha is that one is not allowed to buy produce from an Amharitz and assume that the Amharitz has separated the necessary gifts and tithes. So if you do buy produce from him, then you have to separate the tithes yourself. As well as that, you're not allowed to give the Amharitz untied produce, because since he's not going to tithe it himself, you'd be causing him to do an Avera by eating untithed produce. Now, just like that concept applies to the tithes, 
It also applies to Shmita produce. One is not allowed to give Shmita produce to an Amha'aretz, or things which were exchanged for Shmita produce, in case the Amha'aretz will not um, eat it, will not use it with the correct uses. He might use it for something forbidden. And as well as that, one is not allowed to buy Shmita produce from an Amha'aretz, because you cannot trust him that he let his field open for anybody during Shmita. And Allah is that if somebody does not open up his field for everybody to come in during Shemitah, then you're not allowed to eat his produce. So you would not be able to eat an Amaretz's produce during Shemitah. However, the Mishnah is now going to list lots of different types of produce, which because they're not generally looked after, either they're bad quality or they're grown in the wild or they grow by themselves, the point is that they're generally considered to be Hefka. Ownerless, and therefore there'll be two applications. There'll be two implications of this. Number one is that because they are ownerless, you would be able to buy them from an amharetz because he's not obligated to tithe them. Because something which is ownerless is exempt from the tithes. But number two, and this is where Schmitter comes into it, you're also allowed to get that from an amharetz if it grew, let's say, in an amharetz's field. You're still allowed to eat that during Schmitter because since it's ownerless, or since the owner doesn't really care about it, so he does allow people to come and take that produce. So we're not concerned that he closed off his field and didn't let people come in to get those things, because he's not concerned about those things. They're not valuable. So the Mishnah begins. Hapegam. There's a certain herb used in medicines. Vahayar buzna shaitim. Wild asparagus. Vahachal These are certain low-lying flowery plants. Kuspar shabaharim. Coriander, which grows primarily in mountains, not in gardens. They're not really looked after properly. This is some sort of parsley or celery which grows by rivers. And again, it's not really looked after properly. Rocket plant, which grows in a swamp or by a swamp on grassland, all these things are exempt from the tides because they're totally disregarded by the owner and he's not particular about them, and he doesn't look after them, they're considered ownerless, and therefore, he would not need to separate tithes from them. And because of that, by extension, one would be allowed to buy those from an Amaretz, and assume that they were always exempt from tithes, because they are considered hefka, they're considered ownerless. And furthermore, they can also be bought from anybody, even an Amaretz, during Shemitah. Because we don't suspect anyone of cutting off his field and not allowing people to come and get those things. Because he has not been particular about the, their growth, and he doesn't really take care of them or value them very much. And this actually gives a reason, because these types of produce are not guarded, they're not looked after, so we do not suspect him of not allowing people to come and take it during Shemitah. Now, Rabbi Huda adds another thing onto the list. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Sefiche chardal mutorin. Sefichim of mustard seeds are permitted. And Sefichim refer to those mustard seeds which grow from seeds which fell during the previous year. So if, as the sixth year produce was being gathered up, some seeds fell back to the ground, and then in the seventh year, those seeds grew... So again, that sort of thing was not looked after properly, and therefore, contribute Those who sinned and did not keep Shemitah were not suspected of not allowing people to take those, and therefore those two would be able to be bought from anybody, even in Amharetz during Shemitah. Now, Rabbi Shimon takes it a step further, and Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon says, All Sofichim are permitted. People are not really particular about any of these growths which come the next year. Except for Sufichim of a cabbage, because when it comes to a cabbage, Sufichim of cabbage never grow as wild vegetables. Those are actually looked after in gardens and taken care of, and therefore you cannot assume that he will let people take the cabbages. 
But when it comes to other Sfichim, says to be Shimon, the owner is not particular about them, and therefore he will let people take them. So he will observe Shmita when it comes to those Sfichim. And now the Mishnah ends off with the Chachom's stricter opinion, all of these Sfichim are forbidden. If the seeds dropped the previous year and they grew later on, that doesn't mean that somebody will not be careful about them. You don't know some people are particular about these Sfichim, and therefore you cannot just be so presumptuous and buy any Sfichim from an Amharetz. Rather, you do need to be concerned that he did not observe Shmitah even with regards to the Sfichim, and therefore you would not be able to buy these Sfichim either from an Amoretz during Shmita.